Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I hope that this show finds you healthy, well and safe. We are heating up your radio today with grand guests and gastronomic pleasures, so I hope that you'll stay tuned because we have really good taste on this program. The delicious conversation starts right here and right now, and I welcome you to my kitchen. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you'll love on this show. From chefs and cookbook authors to epicureans, brewmasters, grill masters, mixologists, sommeliers, trendsetters, and more, I am all about living the good life, and it is my goal to feed your soul and satiate your appetite. And so by the end of this hour, your dishes will guaranteed come alive with flavor. On this show, every food topic is on the table, and I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com. You'll also find my daily dish where you can take your cooking skills to the next level with videos and recipes and shameless good eats and more on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a friend and follow. All right, coming up, let me let you know what is on your plate or set the table, rather, Bart Van Olfen. He is arguably the world's most passionate, sustainable fishing advocate and an overall lover of fish, and he's shining a light on the superstar potential of tinned fish. Yes, everything in a can and how delicious it can be. Also, we are baking. Oh yes, as the baking trend continues... Angela Garbitz is stopping by. She has a beautiful bakery in her hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska, after having been French trained in New York City. And she bakes gluten-free and dairy-free and vegan. But every recipe is adaptable if you happen to be a butter lover like me. And her sweets look delectable. So stay tuned, bring your sweet tooth, grab your cast iron pan, because this hour we're going for a wild ride. But first, I like to share a tutorial of sorts, a lesson, a technique at the start of this show to make you the best cook you know. And a while back when we traveled for food and fun, and that will happen again, I met a chef who in New York City was making beer-flavored butter by churning butter with a local brewery's IPA. And he paired it with a soft pretzel, and it was on the bar menu, like the snacks menu. And it was so good. Yum, right? So at your favorite steakhouse, you can probably choose from a menu of premium steak butters, a pat of lobster butter or blue cheese butter or, count me in, marrow butter. And I'm happy to tell you that butter 
is back, or better yet, butter has been reborn. Butter has always been a great flavor carrier due to the ease in which flavors can be incorporated, as well as the fact that butter has the most satisfying, wonderful mouthfeel, right? And I always say buy the best butter that you can afford because European butter is pricier for good reason. European butter has less water content, more butter fat, therefore making it richer and more luscious. The less you spend on butter, the more water you will end cook end up rather cooking out essentially, and the less great flavor imparted into your dish. Now, I use unsalted butter just as a quick mention always, unless I'm putting really good bread and artisan salted butter on the table for dinner. Uh, But I will say unsalted butter is my butter of choice for another good reason. Because I like to, number one, season my dishes according to my palate. And number two, salted butter has an exceptionally and uh, slightly scary long shelf life because salt is a preservative. And so that salted butter, you've heard me say it before, that's on the shelf in the grocery store, it's been there way too long in my opinion. I use unsalted butter because I like the freshness of it. And so there you have it. Now, with that said, I mentioned all these fabulously flavored butters, right? And we talked about uh, just a second ago how easily you can incorporate flavor. Well, that's called a compound butter. And it is a wonderful way to add pizzazz to steaks and chicken and veggies and more. There is nothing like a pat of butter melting away on top of something you're about to sink your teeth into. And when you add a few flavorful ingredients to good quality butter, you are a culinary hero. You've made a compound butter. Now, it's easy. It's a very practical way of layering on buttery goodness. And you can add a little kick. You can add fresh herbs or aromatic spices or a hint of sweetness. And here's how you make it. So you start with fresh room temperature unsalted butter and you put it in a mixing bowl or you can use your food processor. I recommend using the paddle attachment and then you compose your flavors. You want to limit yourself to a few well-chosen additions. So herbs, spices, aromatics, you could go with citrus zest or uh, cracked pepper, uh, finely minced shallot, garlic, scallion, fresh herbs, which would be very dry, by the way, before you mince them. So if you've cut them from the garden and need to rinse them, please blot them well with paper towels and let them air dry before you chop them and add them to your butter. Now you also will want to add salt. Um, I think that kosher salt or sea salt is best here, and it brings out the flavor of the ingredients. You can even add acid. If you're adding liquid, though, you want to blend a few drops at a time. I prefer to add lemon zest or orange zest uh, if I'm looking for brightness because the oils and the aromatics and the zest really add a punch. And then if you're looking for sweetness, honey blends beautifully. So does maple syrup or even super fine sugar. 
that's the best uh, compound butter for waffles, sweet and savory. Ooh, like sage and honey butter. Oh, yes. Now, you want to blend well, so you can do it with the stand mixer, as I mentioned, or an electric hand mixer, or even a rubber spatula, and you'll definitely get a good workout. And you want all the ingredients, a good bicep workout, to be incorporated very thoroughly. Then you want to wrap the butter up tightly. You put it in the center of a piece of plastic wrap. You can use wax paper or parchment if you prefer. And you roll the bottom half of the paper over the butter so that you create a log. And then you seal or twist the edges tightly. You can use a bench scraper, by the way. Even a sushi mat works really well. And you chill. Well, you chill the butter, of course. You should chill too, really. I mean, you just did all that minimal work for a compound butter. It takes a couple hours for the log to harden, and it will stay in the fridge for several days. I put it into another bag or a sealed, uh, you know, container. A plastic Ziploc bag works great because it will take on flavors from the fridge. And then you cut the chilled butter into coins, right? And... Uh, What's really beautiful about it is that you always have flavor at hand. So the possibilities are endless, right? I talked about a sage honey butter, beautiful on biscuits. How about a yuzu butter on scallops? How about a a melting dollop of a beautiful um, herb and shallot butter on that ribeye steak you're going to take off the grill next weekend? Oh, yes. Because you get fat and flavor simultaneously. How about chipotle maple butter for a cheddar bacon biscuit? Oh, or use that chipotle maple butter for corn on the cob. But I have a current flavored butter. It's sriracha and honey. And I have to tell you, on a crispy chicken sandwich, it's out of this world. It's also the bonus recipe, and I will gladly share my best flavor combinations for compound butters if you will email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. I will answer your email personally and happily. All right, coming up, there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. Tuna, mackerel, herring, and more. So tasty, you won't believe it's from a can. Bart Van Olfen is joining us live to share the just-released tinned fish cookbook, and you're going to want to hear all about it. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There is delicious dialogue starting right here and right now. The New York Times, and I quote, says that Bart Van Olfen elevates canned tuna to the heights 
of deliciousness. Yes, scrumptious recipes for tuna and mackerel and herring and more. So tasty that you won't believe it came from a can are chock full in a new cookbook that is getting great acclaim on Amazon and beyond. It's called The Tinned Fish Cookbook. Easy to make meals from ocean to plate and sustainably canned but 100% delicious. Bart Van Olfen shares the beauty of how to open a can and make it truly delectable. Uh, What ingredient is delicious, sustainable, easy to store, adds protein and healthy fats uh, to almost any dish? Well, it's tinned fish, of course. And whether you're a seafood lover or a home cook craving something new, this is really insightful culinary commentary. So listen up. He is a sustainable fishing advocate, shining a light on the superstar potential of tinned fish. He is arguably as well the world's most passionate fish lover, named the world's most sustainable seafood entrepreneur and an award-winning cookbook author for his previous title, uh, Fish Tales, Stories and Recipes from Sustainable Fisheries Around the World. Bart Van Olfen is live in Amsterdam, and he is here to dish. And I'm very glad to have you, Bart. Welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Um, I think the book is fascinating and fabulous, Bart. And it's it's unique and different. And I I really like that. And maybe because with the COVID quarantine, I've been thinking more outside the box and going through my pantry and encouraging my listeners to do so. But you've been doing that far longer than we all have. So share a bit of backstory, please. Tell us about your passion for fish and where it began. This is my journey for fish. Yeah, yes. Well, I, um, I was graduated at the hotel school in The Hague here in the Netherlands in 96 and uh, with the belief that when I choose to start that education that I... Um, uh, could become like a proper chef, but the the moment I uh, I was graduated, I realized that I maybe could manage a restaurant, but I didn't feel really comfortable um, cooking um, as a chef in a restaurant. So that made me decide, and that was already a dream for many years, to take the train to Paris and to work uh, for some three-star Michelin-rated restaurants. There, every morning, starting at eight nine, 9 a.m., the fish. Uh, supplier came in and actually what he he supplied not just product he had a fantastic story with it so he was explaining um, from what family the fish was was coming from and and when it was caught and that maybe tomorrow because of the bad weather there wouldn't be any fish available and actually that was the moment that I realized that wild fish is, is maybe the only product we we eat we capture it out of the wild so it, it gives beautiful stories and um so it's, it's, there, there I realized seafood is, is a product or is, a, is, is something you eat with a great story. And, and mm-hmm. there my passion for seafood started. Um, it's also during that time that I realized, even in a three-star Michelin restaurant, that there are so many different species with so many different textures, flavors. Um, and, and just in a few steps, only in a few steps, you, you can create like so many amazing meals cooking fish is not difficult at all true and uh, so that's where where i started i ended up uh, back in amsterdam started mm-hmm. my first fishmonger store but that, that's where we're at, where yeah where and, the love for seafood started yes and it shines through in this book i will tell you and in all that you do but then 
I think from reading your story, you realize that the world of fish was even wider when you realize the value of tinned fish. And I think that had a lot to do with your consideration of uh, the environment, right? And sustainability. So tinned fish yeah. has, a, has a history with you and a, and a rich history in and of itself. Yeah, I think from two ways. In the first place, because I, uh, in the first place I was visiting fisheries around the globe. I was living, cooking, fishing with all these amazing sustainable fishing communities. And I often uh, noticed that much of the fish they caught ended up in a can. And that's also what, what most of the people don't realize, that a can of tuna on, on, on the supermarket shelves is the same species as the tuna you'll be served in a sushi restaurant, raw and uh, as a sashimi. It's just, it's just different. The, the fish made a different journey after being caught. Um, so when I, I compare this to my own country, and I think we can do similar into the U.S. when I visit your country, is that, that we don't appreciate that that product that much as we do in the Mediterranean. And that's actually the start to create awareness around tin seafood and that you can create like fantastic meals with it in, in no time. Um, it's affordable. It's, it's often sustainable. Yes. It's in almost all of the cases, it's wild fish. Mm -hmm. So where you see around the globe, 52% of the world's seafood consumption is from aquaculture, farmed fish. Um, but often they're frozen uh, on the frozen shelf or on, on the fresh counter. In tin seafood, every single product, almost every single product, is out of the wild. And you taste it. It's fantastic. I, I agree with you. I have to tell you, I have been a great fan of tinned fish, I think, from very early on. My mother used to open a tin of smoked oysters, Bart, mm. when friends yeah. would come over when I was growing up. And I was a, a foodie back then, and that was always so special to me. And I still have a, an absolute fondness. I keep smoked oysters in my pantry. And when I pour a cocktail at night, I think it is the most superb starter snack. Yeah. And yeah. I will say, especially now that we're more mindful of our pantries, it is a brilliant go-to. There are lots of wonderful tins of varying wild fish. And you talk about in the book, in water or in oil. And I would love for you to share your opinion. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. So, and this is often uh, um, a thing where people uh, get stuck because they are in front of the shelf and you see like uh, fish in, in water and fish in water, no salt added. You see sunflower oil, uh, olive oil. Olive oil, right. So, um, to preserve fish, to preserve tuna, to preserve sardines, you need to have like liquid on top of the fish, uh, which for the reason the fish won't dry out in the can and you can preserve it better. Um, what I always do when I add oil in a recipe, make it the most easy example. Mayonnaise is based on, on, on oil. Mm -hmm. So in this mayonnaise, you have this flavor you would like to add to the fish. So then I would rather choose in water tuna in water because I add oil. For, but the other way around, if I would heat a dish, for example, um, uh, fish in oil will preserve, will, will, will not dry out that quick. So uh, if I would like make a pasta puttanesca or any pasta, which I use fish, and I would heat the product again because the fish is cooking again, I would use in oil to hmm. prevent it from drying out. Bart, I can't let you go. Will you stay with us so that we can talk recipes, please? 
The conversation is is too good. Live from Amsterdam, he is Bart Van Olfen, and the book just released uh, is all abuzz on Amazon and beyond. He is uh, arguably the world's most passionate sustainable fishing advocate and an overall lover of fish. The fish, uh, excuse me, the tinned fish cookbook. Can you tell how excited I am? Is on topic, (laughs) and there's more with Bart right after this. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with the most sustainable seafood entrepreneur in the world. Yes, he earned that title. Bart Van Olfen is here. His new book release, The Tinned Fish Cookbook. As we talk about how there's so much more to tinned fish than ever before. And so we're going ocean to plate and creating delicious dishes. Um, Bart, we left off talking about oil or water and I'm still reeling because I will tell you very honestly, I have been very responsible in the past for pouring out the oil in my smoked oysters container. And I never thought to make a vinaigrette with it. That's genius. Yeah. Well, the thing is here, tasting is a really important topic, subject. So, um, I mean, you can imagine if you have a a sardines in a tin for three, four years because that's, I mean, a, a tin of sardine can, can last like four or five years without any problem. The more the oil is infused with the flavor of the fish, so don't use all of it. Uh, a little bit goes a long way, yes. Umami, this, this little kick to the dish yes. is amazing. Yeah, you would ne- never get it from any other bottle of oil. Mm-hmm. It's, that's true. It's in that in that tin. There's a little extra secret there. Hmm. No, no doubt. You just shared it with the world, and we thank you. Is that uh, is that a fact uh, when it comes to tin fish that the longer its lifespan in the tin, the more the flavors meld or mellow, or do they get more pungent? I never really thought about looking at an expiration date. Yeah. Well, it's depending. So it's quite a, a, a large topic because you have so many different species into a can. Uh, doesn't count that much for filleted fish. But if you, for example, have a whole sardine, well, uh, gutted and, and head is off, headed and gutted. But the fish, the bones, the flesh, uh, this all gives this fantastic flavor to the oil. And this is an amazing story. And maybe if you would ask me again, when did the love for tinned fish really started? Yes. It was simultaneously when I visited these Mediterranean countries, but I met a woman in Brittany, in France, and her name is Marie Bevillon. And uh, Marie, she gave me, in a conserverie, which is a factory where they make tins, right? Yes. She gave me that one tin, um, and she gave it really like something fantastically special. Precious. And, 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 and then she said, okay, yes. Bart, you're not allowed to eat this tin the next two years. And promise me, Bart, you turn around this tin every four months. Turn it around, like turn it over, right? Like turn it over. Wow, it's like um, filled for ninety percent with liquid with oil. So if you turn it around, the fish won't dry out, but it gets like an equally infused flavor. Uh. Um, It will, it will cure. A Portuguese 
would never buy a tin of sardines, which is, uh, uh, um, is, is, is only less than a year old, because then mm. it's not... Uh, um, well not, cured. The, the flavor is not, sure. not improved that much as, as they would like to. So How interesting. There's a speci- there are all special stories behind mm-hmm. the tin of fish, but yes. yeah, be- the whole fish, sardines, herring, mackerel, they do fantastic in a tin. And that's often also, it's not just that you always buy wild fish, but you buy oily fish. Most of the fish in a tin is oily. Yes. Think of sardines, anchovies, herring, yes. mackerel, full of omega-3. It's, it's healthy, it's delicious. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. D- did you eat the tin two years later? How was it? Because it was a souvenir. It was um, <gasps> like, yeah, uh, a few years ago, and it's still there. Oh, you've never opened it. I've never opened it, oh. and I have many cans with I, which I didn't open. One of the reasons is that, and it's maybe like a test or a research. Sure, of course, you want to see. Yeah, because all these factories, they're telling me, we give you five years shelf life, but that's a legal thing. We yes. can, you can keep it 15 years. Forever, right. Open it after 15 years. So that's what I want to do. <laughs> okay, so Bart, you promise you'll come back. Tell us how it is. Yes, okay. I do. Maybe I'll take it with me. If you're allowed to travel, to, to travel again, yeah. I, will, I will take it to your studio. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, okay, we we'll schedule it. Um, let's yeah, talk yeah. anchovies in a tin, please. Tell us the, oh, the yeah. best things you make, because in the Tin Fish Cookbook, I can't wait to make your cauliflower steak with yeah. mushrooms and anchovy butter oh my it's well, one thing we should tell all tins all seafood cans are cooked except anchovies so if you buy tuna salmon uh, uh sardines yes mackerel mackerel is best uh, sterilized is sterilized An- uh, ah uh, uh, anchovies sorry anchovies are not okay they are um cured yes salt salt right so it's 300 kilos of anchovies clean 30 kilos of salt, six months in a barrel. Then they clean it, they, 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 they tin it together with a bit of oil of oil. They close it. That's the reason that anchovies, you cannot have them longer than six months mm-hmm. in, your, in your pantry because of it's not cooked. But anchovies is umami. Anchovies is, I mean, if you don't eat fish, but you, you, you make sauces all day for your, for your meat or your veggies, one fill of anchovies can make a true difference in any sauce dressing you make it's 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 the enrich enrichment is it an english word enrichment yes. number one i have to agree with you anchovy paste i learned i will tell you was that and in french the je ne sais quoi right the i am not sure i can put my finger on that umami flavor in a dish almost like fish sauce in the asian yeah. tradition yeah. Yeah. but there's something there that is so satisfying that's craveable yeah. you want more i think it's one of the reasons we love a traditional caesar dressing because the oh, the tart bite of the lemon and the richness and the umami of the anchovy and then all together in a creamy platform oh, yeah. I, it's just yeah. so good it's fantastic so uh, yeah either way you can use it for your dressings your sauces as a base for smart for uh, super yeah, smart for, uh, yeah for anything and then of course the other Thing you can use anchovies for is on top of, of toast or mm. pan con tomate. Ah, I love pan it con tomate. Yes. Or on your Caesar salad. Mm, me too. I love that bite. I love the saltiness. All of it's that. It's always good if you have something acidity next to it, mm. some, something acid to it, and then you have this salty uh, anchovies. And mm. many people often think it's too salty. Well, just have it in, 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 in some milk for 30 minutes and you 
you only will taste like this true umami and not oh, the salty smart. Again, uh, anymore. So, yeah. So you soak them in milk 30 minutes, then just rinse them and use them as you would in a recipe. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Just perfect. Yeah. A can of crab. I think crab cakes, yeah. but I don't think you make crab falafel with labne. Oh. You can add anything to it. Sure. And, well, that's the thing. With, Smart. When we think of, of, of tinned seafood, there is nothing different in terms of species. Um, so it's, it's um, you can any, create any dish you might think of in, in, in seafood with a tin of seafood, maybe not a bouillabaisse or a bisque, uh, but anywhere you would use like a fillet or, or the meat of fish. Of course. You can substitute uh, uh, fresh by can, hmm. and this is one of the examples. Is you enrich the the, the dish with with crab next to your chickpeas, and, and 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 you can create something amazing. I think most of the recipes in the book have a different angle, or are, are special, but only because of you would never think of it uh, to use tinned seafood. That's true. But if this would be a fresh seafood book, you think, oh yeah, falafel crab. Oh, of or, course, or what? maybe that's that's. Yeah, but it, what a great what combo. Thinking? Yeah, no, I, I hear you and yeah. I understand. I agree. I don't think that we're looking at tin fish uh, in the right light and you have brought it to the surface, pun intended. Yeah. I'll tell you the first thing I am making from your book is the tuna summer rolls because I yeah. think a can of tuna is so underestimated. And so you yeah. use a tin of tuna and some... Um, lovely fresh vegetables and roasted cashews and you roll it all up in a rice paper wrapper and you make a yeah. decadent dip with peanut butter and soy sauce and sesame oil yeah. and lime juice right and that is the perfect summer roll with a can of tuna it's genius it's simple it's more simple than we think and canned tuna is the number one sold seafood product in the u.s so there's not uh, any other product what what is consumed more than tin tuna but the variety of the recipes we use is so limited. And just when you change your mindset, you can do fantastic things yes. and simple things. And there is n- nothing more simple than making a summer roll. Huh, and it's true. fresh and healthy. Beautiful. Crunchy, just beautiful. Um, beautiful colors on the plate. Huh. And it's just a tin of tuna with hmm. it. Yeah. I love your passion. And I love the recipes. <laughs> and I, I, I love your platform. I think that you are doing good work. And keeping us all eating well, Bart. So kudos to you. The book is entitled The Tinned Fish Cookbook. Easy to make meals using sustainably canned that are 100% delicious from tinned fish. He is Bart Van Olfen, V-A-N-O-L-P-H-E-N. And you know, uh, as I mentioned, he is arguably the world's most passionate sustainable fishing advocate, named the world's most sustainable seafood entrepreneur, and his first cookbook won the Gourmand World Cookbook Award. So trust me, you want this book and you want to follow his tin fish travels on social at Bart's Fish Tales, T-A-L-E-S, and on his website, Bart Van Olfen, O-L-P-H-E-N.com. Don't go away. Grab a snack. Come on back. There's so much more fabulous food right after this.
Get your sweet tooth ready. We're back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. With baking on the rise, they're calling it COVID baking. Sweet treats are the star in so many kitchens of late. As we navigate uncertain times, baking and cooking has brought me joy, and I'm sure you as well. So I have new inspiration for you. Angela Gabbitz is the owner of Goldenrod Pastries, called one of the most innovative women in food and drink by food and wine. She comes from Lincoln, Nebraska, trained in New York, and then returned home to open the bakery of her dreams. It is a beautiful bake shop, and she's divulging her best recipes. Her newest cookbook, entitled Perfectly Golden, has just released. And the beauty of it is that Angela makes baking easy and fun, dairy-free and gluten-free. But the recipes are all adaptable. Perfectly Golden is made up of sweet, simple treats that can be gluten-free when it matters, or dairy-free if you need, or vegan if you like. So she has stopped by to dish, and I am delighted. Angela, are you healthy and safe today? I hope so. I am, yeah. I'm very lucky to be here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and very safe, very healthy, and good. running my business as I can right now. Yeah, good for you, uh, and kudos to you. The book is beautiful, and I will tell you, as my listeners know, I am uh, neither gluten-free, dairy-free, uh, or vegan, to, uh, to let you know, but I have to tell you, I cannot wait to make a batch of your cinnamon rolls. This is a a very inspired, elevated cookbook. And I would love for you to share a bit of your background and really your motivation, your philosophy when it comes to baking. I love that you went back home. Yeah, so I was trained, like you said, in New York in French pastry, and I'd been baking my whole life. And when in 2013, I really realized that I couldn't eat dairy anymore, Hmm. I knew that I had to find a way to bake for myself and make the things that I love to eat. And so I started a blog, Goldenrod Pastries is the name of the blog, and I started making recipes, sharing recipes about the dairy-free food that I was making. And pretty soon after, people started contacting me through social media and through the website and saying, hey, I'm not dairy-free, but I'm 35 years old and I have celiacs and I haven't been able to eat a donut since I was six years old. Can you help me? And it just kept coming and I realized there was this whole group of people that were being left out of the food conversation. And so I really made it a goal with the opening of my bakery and with writing this cookbook to make pastries and food just a little bit more inclusive. And good for you. You've done that. And I have to tell you, I didn't feel shut out by reading the book either. You embrace butter for those of us that do, right? Of course. Butter is delicious. If you can eat it, that's great. Well, just so you know, I eat my share for you and me. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you really do... Uh, believe that baking is adaptable. And I think for so long, we've been, you know, sort of ground into this idea that it's a science and exact measuring makes it uh, so very exacting. And I I see there is a silver lining in um, this sheltering at home time and this pandemic. I think that great cooks and bakers alike are sort of stepping outside the box and their usual boundaries, let's say, and trying new things to realize that there is a lot more doable than some of us might have thought. And I think that's so true. And it's so cool to see some of my friends and people who I follow online who have not baked before, spent much time in the kitchen. And my friends are messaging me and saying, hey, I'm making this recipe. 
but I don't really know how to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't you show me a video or send me a picture of what you're making and we can talk through it. And I think for to see people experiencing success in the kitchen for one of the first times in their lives yes. is so cool. Yeah. Once you experience that success, you build confidence in the kitchen. Exactly. It's very motivating. So you say you do you. Explain the key before we dig into the recipes, please. Yeah, so for each recipe, there's a little key at the top of the page that says you do you, and it lists off, it has a little checklist for you, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and traditional. And so however the recipe can be adapted, those little boxes will be checked for you. And as a dairy-free person, when I'm going through a cookbook, I want to quickly be able to look through and say, okay, is this recipe for me? Is it something I can make? And instead of having to go through the whole ingredient list and the recipe itself, you can quickly look at this key and see if that recipe works for you. Thank you for sharing your insights, your passion, and your inspiration. The book is really beautiful, and kudos to you. You are being touted as the future of pastry, a talent of uh, a mix, rather, of talent, diligence, and compassion. Um, the beauty of the book shines through, Angela, in what you do. And uh, so I wish you continued success. And I will be baking from Perfectly Golden. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. I really appreciate it. Yes, of course. Uh, every modern home baker should have an opportunity to create a joyful collection of treats, no matter how you eat and how you bake. So sharing her best recipes is Angela Garbitz, the owner of Goldenrod Pastries from the blog of the same name. In Lincoln, Nebraska, she is the hit. And across the country, she is becoming the pastry diva. Check it out. The book is called Perfectly Golden, already high rated on Amazon and available uh, just about everywhere now. You can also follow her sweet treats at Goldenrod Pastries. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. If you're hungry for more, check out chefjamie.com, but don't go yet. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic conversation here. It's a zesty salmon foil packet recipe that I love. You can use any fish that you might have, fresh or frozen, whatever you could get. But know that you are making a truly healthy, delicious dish in just minutes that is super simple with lots of zesty goodness. How do you make it? Well, you take the salmon fillets and you place one in each of the aluminum foil squares that you've cut, right? I like to put some baby spinach leaves or some sort of green on the bottom. And then I combine, and here's the secret, some jarred salsa with honey, soy sauce, and lime juice. And I spoon it over the top of the salmon filet. Then you seal the packets and you bake them at 400 degrees. You could air fry them too. About 15 minutes in the oven. So Good. I'm going to post my zesty salmon foil packet recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. I will thank you once again for listening. I'm grateful you're here, and I'm truly blessed to be able to bring some culinary sanity to our lives every weekend. So please continue to tune in. Podcasts are under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen on iTunes, and I will meet you here next weekend when there is lots more fabulous food promised in your radio. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well, stay healthy, and safe.